Welcome to Scare Zone, Halloween Horror Nights podcast, episode 43. And if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you've already experienced what is Halloween Horror Nights 27 or 2017. A little bit of an interesting thing. In, in this show, we're playing bits from the media event. So what you're going to hear in its entirety is the presentation, as well as the Q&A session with some of the, you know, obviously some former guests. you got your Charles Gray, your Patrick Braylord, and then a newbie, someone who hasn't been on the show yet. Blake Broswell, who's the show director for uh, Scare Zones. Again, it's a great Q&A. I thought it's worth you guys hearing. Some of you guys may have already watched the videos, but right now I'm knee-deep in editing all the content we got at the media event. So I was mic'd as well as Bart Scott from BLT and Ears of Steel, who had never been to Horror Nights. We were mic'd the entire night. So I'm editing that down and working out episodes, and you can really uh, dig into that. If you want a little sneak peek, you can go watch Bart Scott's YouTube channel. Just type in Bart Scott HHN or even Bart Scott Disney, and his channel will probably come up. But that being said, before we did that, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of my feelings. I'm not going to dive too deep into it because I'm sure we'll give full uh, house reviews and such later on. And I know some of you guys haven't had the opportunity to go, so I don't want to spoil anything. But I will give you my ranking. I didn't rank them last year, but this year I felt pretty confident in it. Now I have to say Halloween Horror Nights 27 or 2017, like I said, they kind of are saying that a lot in, in the event. You can even tell them kind of stumble over it a few times, so... Maybe that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, I know I teased it earlier, and I said, well, it's interesting they're not using the 27 number except for in the hashtag, but now it even seems like they're using going more towards the year. I don't necessarily have a problem with that because I think uh, eventually it just kind of becomes out of control. It's just Halloween Horror Nights. It's kind of like an iPhone, but then they switch back from the phone to not having a number. Now it has a number, and then there was no nine. It's very confusing. But for this, I'm going to give you my list. So I'm going to start at the top and work my way to the bottom. My number one house of the year. And obviously, I've only gone one night. So I'm going to have to go multiple times and multiple nights. I've only gone through one run of each house. Deadwaters, without a doubt, I thought it would be my favorite. Absolutely was. It is very similar, I'd say, to the impressiveness, if that's a word, to Ghost Town. Huge, beautiful sets. Uh, I love the history that it ties in with Horror Nights previously. Oh, man, I can't say enough about this. Is it the scariest house? No. But is it maybe one of the most beautiful theme park experiences I've ever had? Absolutely. I just I, I can't say enough about Deadwaters, but I'm not going to say much at all because I don't want to spoil it. After that, Scarecrow. Scarecrow, the reaping, <laughs> or the reaping, whatever it is, uh, the Scarecrow house, without a doubt, another one. One of the scariest houses I've been in. In a very long time, I usually don't get scared anymore. That's sort of the uh, the curse of being part of uh, a podcast that talks all about Horror Nights is I don't really get scared in houses. I don't really want to get scared. I'm there for the production value and for the party. I'm not really there to be terrified. This house uh, took some of the claustrophobia maybe that you found in... Uh, last year's Tomb of the Ancients, which, as you know, I wasn't the hugest fan of because I'm not a big fan of claustrophobic houses, but it took some of that and uh, even, I'd say, better design and the corn. It's just, it's really neat. Uh, but you are hit with a barrage of characters, so many that by the end of it, it just feels endless and it's it's scary. And I just, I can't say enough about that one. Scarecrow is my number two. Number three, I had to think about it. I think I'm bumping number three to The Shining. I had watched The Shining on the way down. So I on my flight, I'd watched it obviously back in a film school, which was a good 15 years ago now, but it's pretty you know good in my brain. Uh, but I said, I'm going to sit down and watch it. So I watched it on my flight down. Uh, so it was very fresh. I had watched it that day and boy, did it not disappoint. It hit all the points I wanted. 
it was just, uh, it's sort of, I'd say, the exorcist of this year. But I think a better house, I honestly do. I think because they had more they could explore and more of an interesting mental state to explore, not to, again, not to spoil too much of it, that I thought uh, I thought they just did a great job. And it made me want to dive more into that movie and see what I'm missing, even though I've already watched it uh, multiple times. All right, after that, The Fallen. Now, this one was kind of, I'd say almost third place, almost tied with The Shining and The Fallen. I thought The Fallen was awesome. Um, you know, obviously, I'm never, I, I talked about it earlier, like I'm, sometimes I don't love uh, houses that deal with like religion or spirituality as someone who is, uh, is both uh, you know, religious and spiritual myself. I, I sometimes tend to be curious whether I want to dive into that, uh, but they did a great job. It's fun. It's over the top. Uh, we have some friends in there. I can't, not necessarily sure if I'm allowed to say who, but I got a great message from a character who is a listener to this show. So shout out to, I'll say a shout out to her. And uh, I'm so thrilled. That's one of the most fun parts about this year, Horn Nights, is how many people, not just the people like you know us that are there as fans. There's a lot of those that came up, took pictures, and were wearing their scare zone gear out. I love that. But the amount of people that came up to me that work at the event, whether it was uh, characters that would, uh, like one guy at the Purge ran up to me with a, you know, you know, scared me, and then immediately said something like, uh, "Man, podcasts are great." You know, those kind of things mean the world to me, and and it means this show is impacting and making an impact on a lot of you guys who work the event, and that's uh, that's amazing to me. Uh, after the Fallen, Ash versus Evil Dead. Again, you know I'm a sucker for the funny houses. This one's hysterical. I'm not even that familiar with the show. I know the first two movies, and they, I I didn't have to. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just going to leave it there other than to say the music is excellent. And I, again, I don't want to, this one's too much fun to even talk about what you get to experience inside. The Hive is my next one. This is kind of starts, I'd say, where we went from like the top to like the top middle. And now we're starting to kind of trend down. The Hive, um, or just Hive, I was really excited about this house. I did find it funny they brought up, which I had not thought about, that the actual code name for the house was Hive and it ended up being Hive. This one I was a little bit disappointed over. It definitely has a Salem's Lot vibe. It definitely it has that 80s vampire, like scary vampire, hardcore element to it. Um, I have very few things that take me over the top where I go, okay, I don't like this. And uh, there, I'm gonna, I'll say spoiler for the next 10 seconds. There's a scene that involves a, uh, a baby's room and inside of the... Uh, in the side of the crib is two dead skeletal children, and um, that's just where it goes too far for me. That's where I kind of, after that moment, I tuned out. I was not happy, and um, as a, a young dad, it's something that I uh, don't like thinking about. And I think you will, you'll hear in the Q&A later on, someone asked, do you think you go too far? I think that's where it goes too far, if I'm just being honest with myself and honest with the listeners. Saw after that, I thought Saw was fun, but... Um, Again, I'm not that. I mean, I'm familiar with the franchise, but it's uh, it was fun. I don't love that Shrek cue because it just feels like Shrek and that weird, very lit doorway you go through before you go to the house. I don't know. It doesn't set me up for the right vibe. There's nothing really they could do about that. Uh, but I thought Saw was fine. You know, it it, uh, it was fun. I walked through it, and enjoyed it, but it wasn't anything to write home for. American Horror Story Volume Two. I'll be honest. I uh, again, I've never watched an episode of American Horror Story, and I loved last year's house. This one they said is a sequel house and should have had. They said it was the same beats and the same scares, just in tune with the new seasons, and it just didn't feel as vast as the last one. It was okay. The last one had like that amazing twisty the clown scene with the giant clown cars or uh, train circus cars and. Uh, I, I miss that kind of, I, I love the big vast houses with giant 
sets. And I feel like it maybe was missing that a little bit. And the only one, I will say the only one that completely disappointed me that I didn't like at all. And that's saying a lot. I'd say I just didn't like it. I really have no interest in doing it again was Blumhouse. I don't really know those properties. So I'll take that and say, I don't know those properties other than The Purge. Um, It just felt like a lot of strobe lights, just a lot of strobe lights and a lot of smoke and just didn't do much for me. Um, disorienting, but not in a great way. Again, I just, I don't really have a ton that I I just really did not enjoy too much of Blumhouse. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate too, uh, because I, I was looking forward to it. I like when they have houses set up for different, uh, different like brands like that, but it just wasn't my thing. Oh man. Well, uh, I think that's, uh, that's my uh, review of that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to kick it over to first presentation by our good friend, Patrick Braylord from the media event. Enjoy that. Following that will be the Q&A, again, with those three fellows that I mentioned earlier on in the show. And I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Scare Zone. So until next time, enjoy your media event and keep your eyes closed, your ears open, and we'll see you at Finnegan's in line. <laughs> Dead dudes. 
That's just Halloween Horror Nights 20... Wait a minute, you guys have never actually gone into the park? No. Be busy with their own excellent Halloween adventure, Patrick. How true, William. Speaking of, Bill, we're totally gonna be late for our first show. Yeah, Patty B, can you help us out? Sure, go around the corner, go through the door. I always crack one open just in case things get hairy, which I always do. Ah, smart thinking, dude. High five. Yeah, boop, 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 boop. I'm right here. <laughs> no, true, you guys need to leave. You gotta go, your first show's waiting. All right, thanks, dude. All right, Ted, we gotta get out of here super fast. Okay, thanks, Patrick. Catch you later, media dudes. <laughs> Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes! presentation, I wanted to take a second. Halloween Horror Nights and Universal Orlando Resorts, we wanted to take a second with all of the things that have happened in this past week and send along our thoughts and prayers to everybody dealing with the aftermath of such a crazy, crazy storm. The storms do pass, and now we have the opportunity to give our guests an escape, as well as give them one of the, if not the most impressive slate of properties, original mazes, scare zones, and shows that we have ever done. We are incredibly excited for this year's presentation, and we're incredibly excited for all of you to go see the event tonight. So without further ado, let's get on with the mazes. Our first maze, American Horror Story, Volume 2. We have a fantastic opportunity this year to partner with our friends at FX and bring you seasons 2, 3, and 6, affectionately known, as you know, as Asylum, Coven, and Roanoke. It's our Uber maze, 14 scenes long, and it is going to absolutely terrify our guests. Now, that's not the only IP that we have this year. And the next one is a proverbial white whale, if you will. Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Yeah. Every horror fan knows this film inside and out, and we as fans have the unique opportunity to bring our favorite scenes to life. In Soundstage 22, you will see Room 237. You will see a snow-covered hedge maze. You will see a blood hallway. And you'll also see our Grady twins. Moving forward, we've got Saw, the games of Jigsaw. When we presented Saw in 2009, that maze was built on five individual films that made up the Saw series by that point. Coming October 27th, Saw series will release its unprecedented eighth film, and we are tapping all of those films in the concept and creation of this event. You're going to see in our last room a maze, a room pulled directly from the newest film, Jigsaw. Selfishly, this next one's a personal favorite. Ash vs. Evil Dead, based on the story of Ash J. Williams, who's been kicking dead-eyed ass in Michigan for the last 30 plus years based and taken from the stories told from the producers and the designers of Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness, as well as the show on stars, we think our guests are gonna laugh as much as they scream as they go through this house. If you haven't seen this show, please check it out. And if you have seen the show, yes, Ashy Slashy is in the maze. 
You're welcome. The final house going into our IP slate this year is the horrors of Blumhouse. What's wonderful about this maze is we get to tap into the creative genius that is Jason Blum and his entire production group by having Sinister, Sinister 2, the original Purge movie, all make an appearance. Plus, scenes from Insidious 1 and the upcoming movie Insidious 4, which will come out in January. We've got four scenes in this maze that detail out a living trailer for that movie literally months before guests have the opportunity to see it in film. And these creatures in that section are absolutely terrifying. Now that's five mazes. It's a little bit more than half of our maze slate. And those are the IPs. But Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Orlando Resort is known more than just intellectual properties. We are also known for our original mazes. Over in tent two, high. Take everything that you know about vampires. Mind control, sex, beauty, and throw it away. These are feral, animalistic creatures hell-bent on doing one thing, feeding on you. Taking up residence in 19 Hemingway Lane in Cary, Ohio, this group of creatures are burrowing into the floors, <laughs> into the walls, into the ceilings, and they are coming after you in a claustrophobic, crazy, crazy maze. Next up, Scarecrow the Reaping. No character in this maze is under six foot two in height. They are crazy scarecrows that take over a depression era farm. And this close knit group of people or creatures want to take you and remove you from the earth. The next maze is something different than we've ever done before. In 2014, we had a character in one of our street zones. That character, the voodoo queen, has been given the opportunity to have a story told all for her. Inside Soundstage 24, you're going to see dead waters. We've broken the maze up into three acts. The first act is a sunken riverboat that we've plunged into the swamp. The second one is inside that riverboat as you make your way to the third act, which is in the riverboat, or excuse me, which is in the Voodoo Queen's lair itself. They have dozens of characters that are taking over this maze, and it is going to terrify our guests. Finally, as far as our slate of mazes is concerned, is the Fallen. The festival of the deadliest is making its way from the underworld into our world, and those creatures are going to usher in the festival. It is a post-apocalyptic nightmare fueled by the best intentions. If you remember our events in the past, take Hades and Gothic and smash them together, and then add aggressive characters. It's going to be a fantastic maze. Now. Those are our mazes for Halloween Horror Nights 2017. Pretty impressive, right? The team has labored for months on end, and their passion and dedication know no bounds. Now, that would be one thing if that was the event. But we also have scare zones to talk about. And this year, we have some very big tricks and treats. In Central Park, trick or treat. Working with Michael Doherty and Legendary Pictures is a dream come true for us. It's a cult classic horror movie that is filled with a multitude of different characters. Dozens of characters showing and showcasing all of the vignettes that make up that movie are going to take over our Central Park area. 450 hand-carved individual pumpkins light up the canopy above our guest's head. Sam is large and in charge, and he is going to make sure that you follow the rules of Halloween 
or else. In our New York stairs, though, the purge. At no time in our history have we shown as much of the purge as we are going to be showing in New York. All three films will make an appearance within that scare zone, taking up the entirety of our New York streets. We're extremely excited to see the prom girls, to see the polite gentlemen, to see the auction. All of the fan favorites that have been at that event in the past are going to be there in New York, with some surprises added in this year. Moving on to San Francisco, invasion. Much like the theme of this year's event, which is a party, if you get from a distance, it'll look like much. But when you get up close, it's already too late and they have you. Based in that 50s and 60s sci-fi realm, we took it, turned it on its ear in only the way Horror Nights can, by making it absolutely terrifying. Speaking of our overall theme, Festival of the Deadly is taking over Hollywood Boulevard. Halloween Horror Nights is the Festival of the Deadliest. It's a chance for the Horror Nights event to stand as the icon this year, to push the bounds of reality as we take creatures of blood and bone who are consumed with only one need, your souls. Now, throughout the course of the event, we do have our amazing houses and our scare zones, but our event would not be our event, in the streets at least, without our roaming horns. This year, our clowns are coming to say hello. Because you're media. 
<laughs> I guarantee you, if you make the wrong move, they'll come after you and they will claim your soul. In fact, I dare any creature in this room to try to take my soul. challenge but it's also a labor of love we start months in advance I think this year it was 14 months next year we've already started 18 yeah we're already well on the way in 18 and, I, and, it, and it goes from a very small group of people and it suddenly blooms into hundreds and then thousands of people that all work in unison to try to put on the event and I can say this with all surety there is no team member at Universal Orlando Resort that does not in some way become impacted by the work that goes into creating this event on a yearly basis. Every single person in some way, shape, or form works to provide this for all of the guests. And it's kind of an amazing undertaking when it gets to that point. You know, we had minor cosmetic damage across the, the property, and I think what's wonderful about it is that storms pass and we get the opportunity to come back out here and give the guests the great event that we have. I think that, um, I think honestly, we, we, we you know, all, all of our, 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 our thoughts and prayers are definitely with everybody, but it's also an opportunity for us to provide an escape for them, even if it's only for a couple of minutes in the soundstage, so that they can have AC. If you want to see something uplifting, uh, it's amazing to see how all the team members here at Universal came together to help each other out personally with whatever they were affected by with the storm, and then come together and get this event up and running. So, yeah. an amazing family to be part of. Hi guys. If guests could choose only half of the houses, which ones would you suggest for them to go to? The closest ones to them. <laughs> <laughs> It's like picking your favorite child. Do each of you have your favorite house? Uh, yes, they are my children. I love them all equally. Uh, that's, that's the political answer, too. But I usually do have a favorite house, but it doesn't occur until the end of the event. You know, uh, I have favorite scenes, favorite houses, favorite moments as we go through. But I don't have one yet for this year because 
ever really seen everything yet. You know what I mean? I'm going to have to go through night after night and really, you know, uh, meet my kids and get to know them better. So. I, think, I, think, I think what's also great about the event is that your favorite house is going to be different than your favorite house. It's going to be different than your favorite house. We've got such a great slate of properties and original storytelling this year that everybody's going to get something out of the event and something either truly terrifying or really entertaining is going to happen. And I think that that's one of the great hallmarks. Now, to your point, by the end of the event, yeah, we're going to have favorites. But as of right now, level playing field, anything's game. Hey, Patrick. Hey. Uh, you, earlier you said the event itself is the icon, essentially. This year, you know, fans love their icons. Um, can you elaborate on, on that statement? Well, I think that Halloween Horror Nights is the festival itself. It gives us an opportunity to place an umbrella underneath all of the, over the IPs and over the original content, the scare zones, the shows. It shows that Halloween Horror Nights in and of itself is bigger than anything that we're going to bring and put into the park. Halloween Horror Nights is an institution. We're in our 27th year and we're only going to grow from here. And so I think that it is iconic of us to be able to take on that mantle. You know, years ago we had a Festival of the Dead that walked through, that, that ran as a parade through the parks. And I think that calling upon that as a, a kind of an homage is also part of what makes this year iconic in nature. It also gives the opportunity to, uh, for me here in the Scare Zones, is to create uh, apex predators in each zone. Yeah. And so instead of having this one icon, uh, we've got Sam hanging out in Trick or Treat. We've got our uh, alien scientists out in Invasion. We've got our Bone Reaper that hangs out in Festival of Deadliest. So it opens up the ability to get more of these apex predators in each area. What kind of steps did it take for you to secure the rights to have The Shining to be a part of the Halloween Horror Nights family? Most of it had to do with begging and pleading, yeah. <laughs> crying, gnashing of teeth, phone calls. <laughs> yeah. No, um, it, was, it, was a long, it was a long process. Um, much like other mazes that we brought in the past, whether it be American Werewolf in London, Exorcist, Halloween, those are things that as fans we've been seeking for years. And things just happened to work out this year where we were able to, to work with our partners and Warner Brothers to be able to secure that. It's actually a very fortunate thing and we're all very excited for you guys to go through that. The Shining is very um, psychological, so what was your biggest challenge in trying to convert that into a house that people could experience? That's, that's an awesome question. That's what we asked ourselves on day one. Yep. Uh, Stanley Kubrick takes this huge Overlook Hotel, but you still feel claustrophobic when you watch it. And I think that's what we decided to tackle first, the idea of, of expanse, but also feeling claustrophobic. So. We check the boxes of moments that you want to see, which I think are very important, but also our design team did an amazing job of giving you tight corridors while at the same time giving height, and sometimes height can apply more of a massive structure, uh, especially when your view you know, is like this. So there's a lot of implication that really sells in the house. Um, so kudos to our design team who did an amazing job with that. Yeah, thematically when you walk through the maze, you're then serving as that individual that's going through the process of having the shining and being attacked by the overload, which is something that Kubrick does such an amazing job of that you go along Jack's path, Jack Torrance's path during the course of that film. You are going through that entire process as you travel from the beginning to the end of the maze. Right here, guys. Uh, so 
You've got the Blumhouse uh, dealing with, you're showing a sneak peek of the upcoming city as you've got Jigsaw. Has it gotten easier working with other studios that have active upcoming properties as far as like, this is what we're gonna do, this is how we're gonna highlight your upcoming project without spoiling things? Because you've been working with Walking Dead previously, you've been working with American Horror Story about active seasons. Has it gotten easier to work with these studios in bringing these things to life? I think there is a level of trust that it's been hard earned. I can easily say hard earned trust, but th there is an established trust now that they know we're going to take care of their of their kids. You know what I mean? Uh, we 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 take a lot of care and try to represent as best we can their their properties. And I think there is a growing trust between us and other studios. Plus, it's really fun because sometimes we see scripts before everybody else. We see screeners before everybody else, which is really, really fun. <laughs> hey guys, as a first timer from Atlanta, have you ever been told you've gone a little bit too far? And what do you have to say about that? <laughs> do we have the, never mind, self-edit. Uh, <laughs> what do I have to say about that? I, well, you know, it, everything's subjective, right? You'd be surprised. Sometimes, Something that I'm like, oh, I hope this isn't you know, going overboard and everybody loves it. You're like, okay, that's cool. And then mm -hmm. you never know. It, 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 life is, and art is subjective, so you never know what's gonna come your way. And there's also the opportunity for us, if, if something is, is we want to have work, it might not be physically possible because we might not know how to do it yet. Yeah. But we will figure it out. If we care enough, we will go down that branch. We will figure out that, that bit. I think between us, we, we put everything on the table. Yeah. We absolutely have conversations, and then and then we edit from there. But yeah, we, we always put everything on the table. So I think if we say that's too far, it's way too far. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Hey guys, uh, with all the work that goes into the detail and stuff on the scare zones and the houses, are there any Easter eggs that you would want us or the fans to keep an eye out that they may miss if they went through it too fast? I'll go give you some for the scare zones. Um, so, uh, trick or treat in Central Park, uh, when you pass through at first look, it may appear that it's it's much sort of the party at the beginning of the film and the neighborhood where the trick-or-treating is happening. But if you really pay attention to all the details and the little Easter eggs that are dropped in, you'll see this fever dream of the story of trick-or-treat is all laid out for you. Every little piece of the story is there. Uh, I'm just gonna bring up Dead Waters because um, there's a lot of, because it's, it's based uh, and the origin is from that street. If you saw the, the, the shack in the street, you would have noticed a lot of the decor we have taken uh, very specific care in selecting different pieces from that. So if you have any photos from that year, you may be able to find some of those pieces existing in the house also. And I mentioned it this morning, one of my favorite authors is an Easter egg uh, represented in the house as a zombie. Yeah. Hi everybody, I'm down front here. Um, a few questions, if I could, just a few. Um, one, how many people do you expect to see to come through this year? Two, we like to give information to our um, followers and subscribers about um, how to make an experience better. So um, are there specific days or dates that we could share with them that might be a little less crowded? And three, if I could, yeah. um, is um, uh, any tidbits that you would have for people as they're working the, uh, the park as far as making the most of the experience or how they should spend their time? Sorry, three of them. Okay, number one. A lot. 
Um, number two was... Um, We're doing more nights than ever before, so you have a lot of different choices. Absolutely. And, number three, don't pass up the opportunity to go to the bathroom. Yes, yes. And wear shoes, comfortable shoes. Because a lot shoes. of times we walk through and, and, and there's somebody just dressed and they are gorgeous and they've got their, their toes sticking out of their, their, their expensive shoes. I'm like, man, come in sweats and, and tennis shoes. You know, be comfortable. Just come to hike around, have a good time, and party. Yeah, and uh, the, the one I brought up when we were talking about this earlier today was before I always asked like, tips to avoid the scares. You can't. There's nowhere that's safe except, except bathrooms. bathrooms. We're not legally allowed yet. <laughs> we have to stop Blake. I tried yeah. vetoed left and right. Mm -hmm. I think we have time for two more. Hi. Um, so Eli Roth directed one of the commercials yes. for this year, and I was wondering, can we expect him to have more involvement in the future? Wouldn't that be great? That'd be awesome. Be well, awesome. there's a lot of movies out there that, that I would love to see, like The Green Inferno or Cabin Fever, for example. Like, don't tell me anything you're not supposed to, but can we expect anything? We, we're not allowed to say anything that any yeah, yes. No, but what I, what I will say is that- <laughs> and it, Very and definitive. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Halloween Horror Nights is an ever-changing event. Yep. There's always going to be additions and subtractions, whether people want them or not. And because of that, we are never going to stop looking for people to work with, or groups of people to work with, or companies to work with, or, or licensed pieces and parts or partners to be able to partner with in order to create the greatest event that we possibly can for our guests year in and year out. You dropped his name as far as the commercial is concerned. Wasn't that a great commercial? Yeah, did you see the director's cut too? Yeah. The Oh, yeah, hey, it was that was awesome. It's fantastic, and I think what that also does is that also points up the fact that Horror Night 17 or 2017 is a party. It is a festival. You have no choice but to enjoy yourselves as somebody get around you gets scared and everybody laughs. That's the first thing that happens after everybody gets scared. They scream and then either they laugh or somebody laughs at them. It's a wonderful thing. It's a positive thing. So. I also think in the, that for that Eli Roth, if you watch the uh, director's cut version, for all of us, my favorite thing to see, much to Patrick talking earlier about uh, Halloween Horror Nights itself being so iconic, to have Eli Roth saying, here is a, a master of horror films that is a fan of horror, of Halloween Horror Nights itself. Ooh, that was amazing. I'm so happy when I saw that in the piece. How often do you guys monitor, like randomly walk through and just kind of make sure that your vision is still being all night long. All yeah. night. Every yeah, night, all night. night. Every night. Every house, every street zone, we are constantly roaming. And we also have um, performance coordinators with us, assistant directors, so we're, we're, we're constantly walking through the entire event. And we practice what we preach. We all go buy a new pair of comfy shoes right when the event starts that we'll yep. wear out by the end. Yep. All right, we have one last, time for one last question. So this is the last year for Bill and Ted. First, I wanted to ask, what uh, what are you doing to send that show off in style? But I was also curious to hear why is this the last year for Bill and Ted, and next year will be there will, will there be anything else replacing it? Okay, I'm gonna work backwards. <laughs> C can't talk about it. <laughs> B what was the what was that what was the, what was the other one? Uh, what are we doing? Anything special? Yes, you're gonna have to go see the show. And then A, why is it the last year of Bill and Ted? I think that to, to my answer earlier is that we are an ever-changing event. Um, and it, it's subjective for sure.
people are going to have a different opinion and it's going to become a debate topic over whether or not Bill and Ted should have stayed when 28 and 29 and 30 occurred. But I think that if we're doing, I think our guests, a huge disservice if we don't constantly evolve and elevate this event and change it year in and year out. I think that's why you're seeing different pieces and parts come and go. And I think it's a great opportunity for the guests to experience a different and, and new and revitalized um, event. All right. Thank you guys so much, everybody. Give a round of applause for Charles, Blake, and Patrick. Thanks, guys. Happy Halloween. Have fun.